So the first question we ask everybody who come on the show is, when you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell y'all, day one, game one. It was preseason game, so my rookie season, you know, I'm on Washington Bulls, got drafted for. So my teammates is Chris Webber, Juan Howard, you know, two of the Fab Five. Right. I got a big George Muir sign, 7'7". Seven, seven. I got my old head, Bob McCann, who was the traveling man, power forward. Right. I got Robert Pat. You know, I got I got a good team. You got to score. Right? Mm-hmm. Boom, we go down to Mexico City. We playing the Spurs. It's a home-and-home uh, home game. So the first night, you know, they're the home team. Dog. So David Robinson, <laughs> in 30 minutes, 30 minutes, gave me the 30, admiral. Gave me 30 points, about 17, 18 rebounds, <laughs> and about six or seven blocks in my first NBA outing, bro. You hear me? Uh, And look, I swear to goodness, I think I would have called everybody if we was back in the States, but you know, that long distance and all that. Back (laughs) Back in in the day, you tell nobody about that. Man, that bottle was my friend. I I took some some Coronas to the head. I was like, yo, he bust my ass. He he got me though. I I can't front on the Admiral, man. He, He got me. Hey, people don't really talk about David like that, man. He kind of get lost in the shuffle of his greatness and mm-hmm. how athletic he was and everything that he brought to the table. When they talk about Biz, mm-hmm. we really don't hear his name, period. Yeah. At, yeah. at all. And and he was a problem. He was a problem for Clearly. a lot of centers because way, way he, ran he could the shoot floor. that 15-footer. Yep. yep. Run the floor. Run I got post game. I got defense. Strong as hell. Just going Strong in a motherfucker. <laughs> action figure. That boy, action figure out there. Straight <laughs> up. Strong with a motherfucker. For real. Yo, yo, yo. We live on location. Me and D Miles is staying our ass home here in Orlando. <laughs> we in Orlando, staying quarantined and staying our ass at home. But we got them 5G towers just keeping us connected. And our boy live on location from Tar Heel Country, from Chapel Hill. We got the yes, legend, the Mr. Legend. Ball Don't Lie, Tar Heel legend, NBA champ, and our big bro. We got Rashid Wallace pulling up on us, man. Tune in. Check it out. For sure. Appreciate you, big dog, man. We definitely appreciate you coming on. Fuck with man. Yes, sir. Man, all day, man. Philly, Simon Grants High School. It could have been another high school, or you always, when you grew up, you was like, man, I'm going to Simon Grants, and I'm going to kill. Well, with, with that, it, it was all on who I knew. Um, at the time, when I was a young boy, I had just started playing basketball, probably like about seventh grade, you know, so that's about, what, 12, 13 years old, something like that. I right. just started playing basketball, and only thing I could do was block shots because I was a little bit taller than all the other kids, and I could run the floor because track is my first love. Mm-hmm. That's my oh, okay. main event, track and field. So I just incorporated the running and the running the floor. That's all I could do, running block shots. I couldn't do nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like Gratz was chosen figure, like, yeah, I know I'm going to go there. But mm-hmm. no, I just ended up there, and it was, it was already written. My path was already written. That's how I got to see it because I ended up with, to me, uh, all-star, all-world Hall of Fame coach and Bill Ellerby. And 
I played on that same team with Aaron McKee. You know, y'all played against Aaron McKee. Yeah, too. blue. Um, he was he was my senior. I was a freshman. He was a senior. Okay. Um, okay. And we had another All-American guy by the name of Harry Moore. So mm-hmm. we had a pretty good team. We had big guards. And, man, next thing I know, I'm, I'm watching them. We in practice. And Harry Moore gets shot at a house party. So he gets shot in the leg. So he can't make the trip. So now we in the hospital. You know, I'm crying. I'm like, oh, my man up there laid up and everything. He's like, look, it's your time now. You need to go ahead, hold it down till I get back. And we went out to Vegas. That was my first, like, I guess, national tournament. Right. And, you know, we, we held our own. I, I held my own a little bit. You know, I still got my chops bust because I was still new to the game a little bit. Yeah. But I held my own. And I think we ended up placing, like, maybe third or fourth in that tournament. But – from there on, it was nothing but, all right, we're going to run this up here. So it ended up being my senior year, went undefeated. Uh, in my high school tally, I won three city championships. I got two national championships, a couple of parade All-American stuff. So I would definitely have to give everything that I'm about, that she Wallace is about, to Bill Ellerby and Simon Gratz because that's where it all started at. That's what this bulldog is on my arm. Okay. I remember the bulldog. That's, that's where it all started. I remember at. the bulldog. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me this: at, at what point between you starting that in seventh grade, twelve, thirteen, to you getting to that pinnacle of winning them city championships and parade all Americans? At what point in between there did you realize, you know, because that's a late start, you know, in our eyes, mm-hmm. they're hooping like most of us start hooping as soon as we could run or something, like as soon as we could get up. But like, <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? Seventh grade is kind of late for us. You know what I'm saying? But like. At what point did you feel like, okay, like, I'm I'm figuring this out. I'm kind of nice. And then everybody started, like, coming to heap that prayer. You started getting college letters. Like, at what point did that turn for you when you became, like, that national guy, ranked guy, and, and began to get that attention? Um, I would have to say it was my freshman year in high school when we won a city championship. Mm. Um, I know for a fact I wasn't on the scouting report of the opposing team because, one, um, I wasn't starting. I only started in the beginning of the year because – uh, my man had got shot, but he came back. Right. Um, so I wasn't on the scouting report or anything like that, but my coach knew what I could do. So the main thing, they wanted to play a 2-3 zone, so my coach overloaded one side and flashed me to the elbow, and that's where I won the game at. I ended up having like 27 points from the elbow, and we ended up winning the city championship, and then that's when it kind of sort of clicked a little bit, like, boom, like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty good, but I only thought city, though. Right. I didn't. I didn't think country or not. I only thought like, all right, I'm, I can hold my own here in North Philly. You know what I'm saying? In Germantown and South Philly, I can hold my own. So I was like, all right. And as I got older, older, I didn't even think I was going to go to college. Real talk, you. Mm. Until I sat down with my high school coach, like the end of my 11th grade year, going into my senior year. He like, what's your plans? I'm like, look, I'm gonna get a nine to five. You know, I'm gonna work where my brother work at over at Sears in a factory because that's all I knew. You know, no one in my immediate family had went to college. So my coach said, no, you're going to college. And I'll be damned if no other conversation I ever listened to, I'm thankful that I listened to that one because it it helped launch pad who I am. When you came out, like, could have been anybody else? Like, could any Villanova, anybody else could have got you instead of North Carolina? Yeah, my my top schools or my top four or five was uh, Georgetown, Villanova, Temple, Carolina and Howard, believe it or not, mm. oh. uh, because of coach because of coach Butch Beard. Mm. But at the time, 
when I was in school, you only could do four visits. So I had took the top four. I had to take the Villanova and Temple because right. one of my coach told my high school coach told me to. He <laughs> said that's out of respect because yeah. I was hanging out on that campus so much and in the summertime playing pickup games on campus so much. So he said that's out of respect. And then he said, you know, with Georgetown and Carolina, he said that's up to you. So that they, they, they were my final schools. And my heart, real talk, my heart was set on Georgetown mm. um, with Coach wow. John Thompson because that's yeah. all I saw. I, I was. Big Pat Ewing fan. I grew up in the Big East area with him. And Pat Ewing was the tallest athletic dude I've seen on TV outside of Edwin Moses, the, yeah. the Olympic star. Right. So I was like, man, I was like, and I'm tall. So I wonder if he get called a lot of names like I got called when <laughs> Big Ox and this and that. But just being a fan of Pat Ewing, all right, I got the opportunity to go where he went. So I was definitely thinking about it. The only reason I didn't, because my freshman year, I wouldn't have had no point guard. Mm-hmm. And who and who would have known that next year it would have been the AI oh, chapter beginning? <laughs> right. Yeah. What was it about Dean Smith that made you just fall over? Like just made you commit to, to North Carolina? Cause Dean Smith um, is a legend. He coached these legends. He already sure. won championships. Like he done did it. Like his legacy is set. Anything else, he's just adding on to the yeah. game. Well, I, I would say Coach Smith, his persistence, number one, and of course. His status already held weight with me. I think at the time, the four biggest coaches that I can remember that I liked that recruited me, one was Coach Smith, Coach John Thompson, Coach John Chaney, and um, Jim Beheim. Them, them were like, to me, the four biggest coaches, you know, ever. And then here it is. They're interested in me. But I think what really sold me, though, real talk, dog, was after Carolina won it, like the night before, I was watching the game. You know what I'm saying? Boom. All right, yeah, Carolina. Burn, 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 hey, won it. That next day, I go to school. So I come home from school. So, you know, I come in the house. Boom. And I walk by the living room. I'm like, whoa. I hear my mom sitting in there with somebody. And I take a couple steps back and look back like, and who's sitting in the living room? Coach Phil Ford, who to me my is guy. the That's best player guy. to ever come out of Carolina. Yes, I said it, y'all, even before Better Than Mike. Yeah. And Coach Dean Smith. And my jaw dropped like. I just wanted to Coach, ain't you supposed to be somewhere celebrating? You just won a a, a hard-earned national championship. He's like, nah, I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, we had a a good exchange that evening. And, you know, I was off to Carolina. Now you at Carolina and you got – you know, it's like you can kind of form you a, a, a Voltron. You can form you a big squad. <laughs> you get you somebody like Stackhouse. Stack Somebody dollar. mean, you know, he, he rugged, you know what I'm saying? Like to play like how you like to play. Like how is that to have mm-hmm. somebody like Stackhouse to play with in college and start your college career off going like that? Uh, it was it was awesome to play with him and Jeff McGinnis. That was, that was the other Mack, play, man. You know, it was, it was the three of us. And man, we was like we called ourselves the Young Guns. Yeah. Um, you know, of course they they ended up signing with Carolina first, and I think we were we were either at the McDonald's game or it might have been some other little All Star game at that time. And the they recruiting, me, like, come on, man, like, what you going to do? Recruiting, like, like, hey, in a we, corner. we got what it is. We we got a big point guard. We got the we got the wing slasher. All we need is a big. I'm yeah. like, man, all right, let's rock and roll then. So right. it was it was awesome though, man, and, and to 
to have a lot of the battles that we did, even though Stack and I were only there for two years. Yeah. But a lot of schools still came at us, and, man, we gave them everything that we had down here in Carolina. Tell me how was it to be a part of that legendary battle, the rivalry that you guys got with Duke? How was that for you when you first got there to be in that environment and that whole intensity? How was that for you to experience that as a freshman? When home I, man away, because both of y'all arenas are, like, legendary. So home it's man eight away. Eight miles apart. Right. Eight miles is about, like, this far apart. <laughs> eight miles apart. But when I first checked into the game, my first bucket was a putback dunk and one. I almost hyperventilated. I almost passed out right there on the floor. Okay, so it's like just straight black so down. <laughs> Boy, head like this, man. And so I, I was so hyped. But but to be part of that rivalry, it's awesome because anything. I don't care who's on the team, what your rank. Throw all that out the window. Yeah, right. I think to me, it's like the basketball guys must live down here somewhere or you know, touchdown on earth during these uh, Carolina-Duke battles because, man, some of the finishes uh, you wouldn't believe, some, right. of the, some of the games itself, the overtime double. I was involved in one of the best with the double overtime yeah. uh, when Jeff Capel hit the 35-40-footer yeah. from half court and <laughs> send it in the OT. Yeah. But I will say this, even though with Duke, it's the greatest, the greatest rivalry in sports to me. I'll say this about that. I never lost a dude. Mm. Okay. Okay. I Talk know that. Hey. Talk your shit one time. You and know, it's let the record state. Let the record state. It's Googleable. Yeah. Let the record Googleable. state. Yeah, yeah. You know? me, me and Stack never lost. Straight. I okay. remember Stack. I was telling Stack when we talked to Stack, I said, man, I just, every time I think about just North Carolina and Duke, I just see you when you reverse dunked on the other side and just start screaming and doing his head like that. I said, oh, <laughs> we man. We call that, that the so monk dunk. <laughs> the monk dunk. Cause, yeah, because he started doing the Donkey Kong after the like this. <laughs> so up. We, on, on campus for that week, we just called him the monk dunk. Well, you decided to come out. What made you decide to come out? Uh, it, was, it was that time. Pretty much felt it. Was sitting there. Stack and I, truth be told, was sitting there in the locker room, uh, the Final Four and in, in Seattle. And we just felt as though that it was time. For me, I felt it was time and my – family situation at home made it time right right <laughs> so yeah. you know it was I, I had to do what I had to do and and take that big step forward to help my family out when you got drafted did you think it was going to be somebody else you was going to instead of the bullets um no I knew I was going there I knew I was going there at first the Sixers wanted me yeah the Sixers was going to pick me third I think that's when they um that's when our old head, John Lucas, was coaching, I think. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the Sixers on it, but I told them, I was like, nah, I said, I don't want to go there. Don't don't pick me or it's going to be, you know, contract holdouts and all that because I just didn't want to deal Not with that, off at home. that pressure exactly of being up. Now, in high school, okay, I could deal with it because it's only a couple people around the city and, you know, my high school that's all right, the pressure. But now you're a professional athlete and I'm not only from Philly, representing Philly, I'm playing for Philly. I was That's like, hard. at that time, I said I couldn't deal with that pressure. So I told my agent to tell them not to draft me. And I, th I think from the way that my career turned out that it was a pretty good move because I know it wouldn't have been nothing but downhill for me if I would have got drafted by the Sixers. Tell me how special it was for you to get drafted, you know, with Stack, your brother, and then y'all get drafted back-to-back. -back. 
You know what I'm saying? Y'all, like, that's like some never before seen. Like, me and D Miles tight, and we got drafted. He was third. I was 18, and it was still crazy mm-hmm. for us to get drafted on the same day and, you know, achieve that dream. How was that for y'all boys to go through, you know, just losing in the final four and all that? Then y'all got the biggest moment of y'all life. Y'all get to share together. It was it was awesome, man. It was awesome. I can remember after after the draft is over, uh, after the whole green room effect and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Draft was in Toronto. That was the first year of the Raptors as well. So here it is. We walking back across the parking lot, walking back to the hotel in Toronto. And we like, man, like, dog, like, we just got drafted, yo. Yeah. Like, we just made it. Like, ah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, all them days in the gym, you know, all them days when the coach was in your ass and, you know, saying this, saying that, and you couldn't make this many foul shots. And I was like, here it is. I was like, we made it. I was like, this this the first part of it, you know. And then having veterans already with, you know, acclimated with Carolina and coming back in the summertime and letting us know, like, look, the easy part is to make it, but the hard part is to stay. So we was like, all right, we got part one over with, but it was it was it still was exhilarating, man. You know, hey. my brother to go third and I'm right behind him and fourth. I'm like, man, that was high fives all up in that green. Nah, I remember sitting at home watching that, like, yo, this is crazy. They teammates got drafted back to back and all this. I was mm-hmm. like, but for like that, like when you think about it, like for us, like that's how we was. We we got drafted in Minnesota that night. Khalid I mean, had like a little party there. Like I could remember us. That's one of the vivid memories I have from that. Like yeah. I don't remember much from the party, but I remember us. Like several of us, me, D Miles talking to each other. I remember saying something to El Amin, the K Martin in the party, like, yo, man, we we here. Like, everybody yeah. just hype. Like, we here. Everybody get that one little moment where, I don't know, we take a shot, drink, or scream, or whatever you do, but you like, <laughs> dude, we we here. Like, it's crazy. We made it. Yeah. You on the team with the Bullets now, and you watch Chris Webber win Rookie of the Year with Golden State, and he's on this team now. How was your mindset going into it, looking at that roster and looking at what you got to do for that team? <laughs> oh, Man, I was I was all in. I was gung ho. Cause, you <laughs> know, watch, watching Webb uh, at Michigan, that was one of my idols. Cause that whole like, who didn't love the Fat Five? Exactly, on, you know, exactly. Like, we all love the Fat Five. Nobody. If you were from the black neighborhoods as a young boy coming up, you love the Fat Five. Straight up. So exactly. With me watching him when I was in high school, you know the baggy shorts and and you know the black socks and you know as far as they were. <laughs> and now, wait. You know, I'm I'm on a team with Jawan Howard and Chris Webber. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm gung ho. I'm gung ho. I'm I'm all in. I was so excited, man. And you know, then when they both came to my signing day, that that really made me like solidified to me. Like, all right, these, these some good good old heads right here. These some good brothers good right there. And they yeah. throughout my career, they've always been, man. You know. None of them never, never did no, no flaking type things on me, trying right. to go Hollywood or none of that. Yeah. Like, nah. So I, I love them brothers to this day, man. Straight nah, they're two real ones. Like, Juwan, I, I, that's our OG now. That's that's yeah. Luke right there. That's the homie. And, and C Webb yeah. always had them in my hands too. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, that's from the crib. That's my OG from Chicago. You know, from oh, before word. any of this. Oh, from the crib. Better. Every summer yeah. at Hoops, see the picture of perfection. We show up to work out. Him and Finball yeah. done. They icing man. up. OG status. They was, hey, that's the OG for real. 
Hey, this is what I want to ask you though. Like, you got to play one of my uh, one of my favorite point guards ever, man. He don't. I think he get a little more respect nowadays, but I I still don't think he get the proper respect he deserved, man. Rod Strickland, bro. Like, how was that to see how much of a magician and like how ill he was with that ball and how his his he got one of the all time greatest layup packages ever, bro. Like, as far as like yeah, I don't care if it's body and big men or whatever it was, he had a sick layup package. Like, how was that? Back playing with that dude and then he one of the coolest dudes too man I, I had the opportunity when see i got traded for rod when i was in washington at the time he was in portland, He's in portland. so boom we was pretty much the main oh. trade but during my tenure in portland rod came back for right. about I didn't yeah. even realize I that. Three months. Yeah. I did not yeah. realize y'all got traded for each other. I yeah, just remember y'all playing yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. It was um, Rod and Harvey Grant for me and Mitchell Butler. Right. Yeah. From UCLA. Yeah. I yeah. shout um, out Mitch. I know Mitch. Dog, yeah. For them three months I was playing with Rod, everything was easy. Yeah. <laughs> everything was easy. Like, no, he ain't got the greatest J4 point guard, but he can knock it down. But I don't care. He going to get to that bucket, dog. Oh, man. He going to get to that bucket and give you that, ooh, <laughs> last, that last second drop off for that you. Boy, set the table, boy. Man. He set the table. What <laughs> do we ever? Like a great waiter in a five-star restaurant, man. Straight up. You with the Bucks now. You with Weber. Y'all got squad. Y'all a young squad in this league. But at the time when you came in the league, center and big man was like the most dominant positions in the league, everybody had centers and, and power forwards everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, for you to get a chance when Weber got hurt, to get a chance to actually play a lot, start the games and play a lot of minutes, when was that point where you was like, man, I'm, I can hold my own in this league the right way? I, I would say it was, it was around the time when Webb went down. He had a, a little freak ankle accident, you know, twisted his ankle when we were out in Phoenix. And that, that was my night to do it from there. And I knew basketball. So I knew, one, I wasn't going to get no plays. I had to earn my buckets, you know, <laughs> little tippings, run rebound, the floor, yeah. Yeah, rebound. Yep, um, yeah. And two, I knew the ball was going through Jawan because yeah. at the time, I don't know if y'all remember, Jawan was I remember. the first $100 million man. First $100 you know million that, dollar man, period. $105 million. So yeah. I knew the rock was going through him. So I wasn't complaining to Coach, uh, Coach Jimmy Lynham or whatever. That's my man, too. I wasn't right. complaining to him about nothing. I knew what it was. I knew the game. I knew where I fell at on a pecking order. So, all right, for me to get some buckets, for me to shine, run. Yeah, yeah. run, run get the some floor. dunks. Yeah. That's what it was. You know, they knew they could throw me the oops. I was the high flyer on the team. Yeah. You, know, you got the high flyer. Yep. Young legs. Shooter, you got the defender. Yeah, young legs. Yeah, uh -huh. run like a deer jumping sure. out the gym. Man, Jawan, and, and you can ask Newt this. He told me a good one. We somewhere one day, and I'm in a layup line giving the crowd my dunk contest. I'm, uh, I'm giving them everything, right? Boom. And they just regular, right? Yeah. I'm like, yo, I'm like, man, give me something. I'm trying to talk junk to them. They're like, hey, young fella. He said, it's going to become a day when you in that layup line, when all that dunking shit, nah, you ain't going to be doing it. <laughs> you just trying to loosen this shit up. <laughs> just trying to loosen up. And I'll be dead. Hey. He triggered my head. The, the first day that I was just in the layup line, like years <laughs> later, like, I'm like, oh, I see what Newt meant now. Hey, we all been there, bro. We all, all been there. Been then you turn around before you know you got some little young punk talking about you old, calling you OG. You like, yeah. what? Like, I came in here 19. Boy, I was calling everybody old. Now they calling me. <laughs> you done did your thing in Washington and 
you'd have made a name for yourself and now we're a team wants you to come to them and be the man now like in Portland trade mm-hmm. for you you know to bring you over here to be the man now, how was that to a team for, first off a team to commit to you and knowing what you finna bring to tape you finna get your opportunity to get all the plays and they come through you and stuff like that how was that man truth be told it, it was a little bit easy and i gotta thank my old heads for that my veterans for that cliff robinson Uncle um Kersey, and Curry. kevin duckworth rest his peace so because yeah. they told me the real about you know how it is they didn't put a lot of pressure on me like all right y'all, yo you gotta go out here and get us 30 or we not gonna right. win you know, right. it, it was never none of that. So to just sit back and listen to them, I was like, all right, now just go out and play. And then what I like to do, I'm not about no one-man show because yeah. I feel like, yeah, if I wanted to, I could go out there and average 30. I could have yeah. went out there and, and put up at least 20, 25 shots a game, but right. it wouldn't have got me more yeah, than half of the wins that I did end up getting in my career or anything like that. So all right, we're going to incorporate all five of these guys because – I'd rather get slapped. You could slap me, poke me in the eye, but it's just all loose. But what's going to hurt more if you get punched? So right. my whole team philosophy was like, look, let's come together. Let's punch these cats in the face. And we almost mm-hmm. did that with L.A., man, but they had the greatest <laughs> athlete on earth at that time, bro. <laughs> Big Shaq, man. Shaq wasn't hey. going for none of that, yo. I remember when we first got to the league and, and like, y'all had a lot of superstar players, like, in the sense of big names and all this stuff. Portland always mm-hmm. kept like big names on their team from the DAs to the Damon Stoudemire, Miles. Right. Monzi made a name, mm-hmm. you had Pip and all that. But you were the only one that was really dunking like that. So when we used to play against y'all, y'all used to kick the shit out of us. And sometimes we'd get that bitch <laughs> close to y'all. But we would dunk and you would be mad them up. So every time you dunk, you would get the hollering, screaming and shit. I remember Bonzi <laughs> stole that bitch from me, right? I'm getting the rebound, so I'm trying to push every time, trying to make sure I get down the court before the big man because I'm playing power forward. And Bonzi stole that bitch early, and when he stole it, I tried to look back, and he threw that bitch up in the air, and you just grabbed it with one hand. I didn't even think you can get Way off. back here. Way back here. <laughs> I didn't think you I know exactly the dunk. I remember you, the play and everything. Way back here, and you dunked it so hard and holler. I just didn't know, shook my head. It wasn't, no, you know how you wave at somebody and get out the way? That's what I did. Just like, keep, <laughs> keep it going. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that play. Yeah, everybody always send me that, too. I, that was, I, I would say, I got I got three good dunks in my bad, D-Miles. That was one of them. <laughs> um, the first time I dunked on three cats when I dunked on them three dummies from Duke. <laughs> and that's, that's all in the same photo shot with the tip dunk. And then I had a good uh, dunk one time when I was in high school, a putback, where my knee was on this cat neck. Mm-hmm. And he was about 6'3". And the ref called the, uh, over the back on yeah. me because I was like, what? He said, man, your knee was on his neck. And I'll be damned. I lie to y'all not. Right hand to the man, my science teacher at the time, Mr. Hussein, he took a picture of it. And I'll be damned. So your favorite. Was, uh, you, you, part, you part of that though, D Miles, my man. Oh no, hey bro. You know what I, mean? I, I don't got no problem with it, bro. When you play this game and you really play D, you're gonna get dunked on and you're, you're gonna, gonna block a couple of dunks. So yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we got to share that because he always trying to talk shit about me about my first dunk on was Mookie Blaylock. And he be first of all, I can't remember oh. it. I want to say my you first see what time. She, she, how can you brag on Mookie Blaylock? He shouldn't even tell nobody no shit like that, right? First of all, Rashid, <laughs> but Rashid, the truth is the truth. You can't make up somebody. If you ask me the first person I dunked on, I got to tell the truth. I, if it's, I can't say it was 
Shaq, if it wasn't Shaq, it was, it was Mookie Blaylock. It was Mookie Blaylock. Do you remember when we first came in the league and we used to play against y'all? Because we used to play against y'all a, a whole, whole lot. Yeah, you used to out there in the West with me with the Clippers, and they made a, a big name about y'all young fellas, especially when y'all started doing all this right here. <laughs> None uh, of the coaches wanted us to do it. But but look, but but that's what gave y'all y'all staple. Yeah. So anytime you had the you had the kids, you know, back home on the schoolyard doing all that and everything, <laughs> and it was just something that we do up in the black community or whatever. So I knew right. it was, and to me that was tough. I loved y'all young boys, man. When y'all came to the league, it was y'all y'all was the young gunners. Yeah, yeah. Young, bring yeah. all the energy and stuff like that. We was happy yeah. to be in that motherfucker. <laughs> day day. I play for the Clippers. I get drafted to the worst team. I play for the Clippers, and then they trade me to the Cavs, which is the worst <laughs> team in the NBA. So I finally get traded to a playoff team, and I got Sheed Wallace. I got Zebo, Damon Stoudemire, Derek Anderson, Ruben Patterson, like – Dale Davis, I'm up. like, oh my God, this finna go down. I remember they just lost the, the game with it to the Lakers, all that stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm finna make the playoffs. I ain't made the playoffs just like my fifth year. So I get there, and the first thing she say, D Mile, I'm about this jump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Do you remember we played together when I got traded there? We played together for about, probably about a month. We probably played 15 games, but we won like 13 of them. We beat the Lakers, went on the East Coast swing, ran them mm -hmm. on off. We probably lost like literally three games and probably won like 13. Because y'all yeah. had a slow start that year. But I don't know if it yeah. was – I give myself some props, pat myself on, but I don't know if it was a spark of D. Miles was in the jail when we got traded and we started getting – because we new, was – we was actually four at the end of that season. We was actually four games out the playoff because they traded for Theo Rathliff and Sharif Abdul Rahim. Uh huh. But I remember it was, it was new blood. I remember I kept on begging you like, "She, you gotta stay because we got Zebo on this block. I got you on that block. We yeah. got Da over there. I'm running the three. We got Damon playing a point. And then when I see you win a championship with the Detroit Pistons, and I be like, damn, Chauncey Billups is Damon Stoudemire. <laughs> Richard Hammond is, is Derek Anderson. Tayshawn Prince, yeah. me. We, they got she, Ben Wallace. We got a, a kind of a better score than Ben Wallace, but we got Ben <laughs> Wallace and Zebo. And I see you win a championship, and I just remember you get out of here. And then I seen when you was at the wrestling match. I mean, they had a wrestling match at the Rose. <laughs> That's when I Rogue found Go. out. And I'm mm -hmm. walking, me and Zebo. now, we walking in, and you like, D-Miles, I told you, I'm about this, Joan. I'm going to see y'all boys later. <laughs> and yeah. I ain't see you no more after that, man. But I wanted yeah, you to I, play. I, I just wanted to play with that team. And Portland Trailblazers made the playoffs 22 years in a row. The year I get there, they don't make that bitch no more for another five, six, seven. He thought he, thought, he, thought he was seven, on his yeah. way. He thought he was well on his way. So you you like owe me one, believing <laughs> us like like this. <laughs> it was it was seven years, but no, nah, it was it was the new GM that they bought in. Yeah, I, I knew I was out of you know we and like you said, things was looking up. It was a good situation. Mo was our coach. Yeah, uh, Mo Cheeks is our coach. Mo and, you cool. know, everything was cool. Yeah, and Nash boom, man, came we in. get a new GM, and yep, and John Nash Nine came eight. in. That's the first thing I told Mo. I said, "Oh, I'm out of here." Yeah, and, and mm. Mo looked at me like, "What? Like, man, whatever, like nothing." And then I told y'all through that because I know I knew how he was the one who traded me from Washington to Portland. Yeah, so I don't wow. know what it is because I never knew him in college or any of that. So I don't know what it was with his personal thing, as in. To trade me, I guess with me, you know, being the best piece of trade bait, 
That's yeah. all I could see. But I knew right. I was out of there. I, I told everybody. Yeah. And it's not that I wanted to be out of there, but I knew he was going to trade me. He was yeah. either going to trade me or force my hand for me to say that I want out. But yeah. Paul Allen, rest his soul too. Paul Allen, that was my man. That I was had my no man beef, too. No Paul was my man. Man, he's a great, <laughs> great dude. dude. Dog. Great he owner. He was one of great the very owner. few great owners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and dog, they once once they got me up out of there and went to Detroit and and saw what type of cats they were. I was like, look, hey, I said it's, it's going to be like this for seven years because he going to get rid of everybody who makes a significant difference during the game. They want to go young, get all the nice guys in there because that's when we had the whole jail blazers yeah. team. Right. And, and I so came in on the back like, end of that. I came in exactly. on the back end of that. Yeah, exactly. So, so if if I would have stayed, like if me and Bonzi or me and Damon would have stayed, yeah, you would have been labeled a jail blazer too. I know. I was. Right. I was labeled. I was labeled. I was with Zebo. So me and Zebo was the last oh, yeah, <laughs> of the Mohicans. Sure, but that was like, the reason I say that, because like I said, I see you win a championship with a team that's similar to the, the Blazer team that you left. And that was the best team in my NBA career that I had the opportunity to start with. And that was the best five I ever played with in my NBA mm -hmm. career when I played with you, Zebo, DA, and Damon. And... Nas signed me and told me like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give you this all this money. You are a franchise player, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start Sharif. And I was like, I just started last year. Why would you? Why you give me the money and tell me to come off the bench? It ain't it made was, no sense. Did yeah, it? It was, and you told me to leave that motherfucker, but I can't pass up on fifty million if I ain't never had fifty million. That <laughs> you got one of the you got one of the weirdest stats. Like you play one game. For the Atlanta Hawks. Just one. Like, first, do you still have that jersey? Is it framed anywhere? <laughs> like, it's part of the collect. Okay. But how was that experience it. for you to be, like, there for one game and then you you off to the Pistons? And we know we're going to talk about what happened out there. But how was that to be, like, you get traded from the Blazers to the Hawks and you there for one game? It was awesome, man. It was awesome. Got, got you A-Town a, a for a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, you know, I got traded during the whole All-Star break. So I, I, I had to go down there, and it was crazy when I went down there and checked into the hotel what was there. They was having the National uh, Barber and Hairdresser Convention. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, okay, this is how it's going to hey, start off here in the A, huh? Some, some, some listeners start. might not know what's going on right now, but just know that it's, if, you, if, you, if you, you like us, it was a good time. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So I'm down there and, you know, down there for a couple of days, we practicing. So our first road game was against the defending Eastern Conference champs. At the time, it was the Nets with J.K., Kmart, you know, Kerry uh, Skittles. R.J. You know, the, <laughs> R.J., that whole squad. So, boom, we playing them in Jersey. And we almost got that game. But, man, to play with Steve Jack and Jay Terry, yeah. Yeah, I, I, felt real tall, I felt like back in Carolina. Where Word. I had a I had a killer point guard, big point guard, Jason J Terry. Mac. Had to respect him. And that was my J Mac. Yep. Then I had mm -hmm. Steve Jack. He was my stack house. You know, that mm -hmm. wing player, he could shoot dominant, yeah. athletic, and, and had that killer attitude too. Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I said, we we could do something. I said, we can't make the playoffs. It's too late, but we can mess it up for everybody else. Yeah. Right. And you know, that that one game, man, I, I loved it. I was I, I was so looking forward to a home game. Yeah, you had 20, 20 and six in like three quarters. Yeah. So you balled out. I like that. 
Man, yeah, you shooting the shit out that motherfucker. How was it in your mind when you get the news like right before the deadline that you you about to get moved to the Pistons and you know what I'm saying? You already know what they got. You 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 know what I'm saying? You've been in the league long enough to know them guys and you know what they bring. Then they got Coach Larry Brown, who a Carolina guy, mm-hmm. you know him somewhat. Like what was your thoughts headed into that situation? Three things. I was thinking three things. One Damn, I was just talking shit to these guys two weeks ago when we was out there in Detroit. We played, so now, yeah, we played. same guys I talk shit to now, we teammates. So I hope <laughs> they ain't take it personal. Yeah. Right. And I was like, uh, second, as you just mentioned, Q, um, with LB, Larry Brown, you know, that whole Carolina connection, that made it comfortable. And that also put my mindset in, okay, I know what type of coach I have. I know what type of coach, you know, he is. And yeah. that third was my man, D. Ham. You know, I had new D. Ham, Ham. <laughs> um, from beforehand. Darvin Ham from beforehand. And just talking with him, and he was like, yo, you won't love it. You know, guys, it's cool. Yeah. It's no egos. And this and that. I'm like, no. It's, I said, dog, it's no way that you could be around 15 or uh, well, 14 other professionals and nobody have an ego. I was yeah. like, it's no yeah. way. I said, you know, I've seen it throughout the NBA, throughout professional sports. He's like, I'm telling you. And I'll be damned if he wasn't right. It was it was no egos. And so when I when I got there, you know, just just trying to find my niche. Because one, they were already a team. Yeah. Um, and they yeah. were already to me a, a a pretty good team on the rise, especially when they had Rick Carlisle. So with Chauncey again being blessed with another big point guard, Damon Stoudemire was the smallest point guard I played with yeah. in my mm-hmm. career. But yeah, right. thankful that when I got to uh Detroit, you know, Chauncey was a big point guard. We all know that. And just playing with that squad, figuring them out was like, all right, cool. But the hardest one for me to figure out was Ben. And reason being, come to find out, he was just like me. His birthday is like two weeks before mine. Same year and everything. So I'm like, oh, all right, that's me. That's why he liked that. So, all right. But it was awesome, though, man. I loved it, dog. You know, I felt it as being a fresh start. Man, so I played for LB, Coach Larry Brown, you know, York. You know, I got the, his mm-hmm. one year in New York was my first year there. So, and, you know, we had a, a whole lot of ups and downs and struggling and stuff. But that was one of the things that I did. You know how Coach is. He's like a teacher and a storyteller in a way when he's coaching you and stuff. So he would use you as an example all the time. You know what I'm saying? About the how selfless you were, how you came in and completely turned the team around because you weren't afraid to talk. Like he used you as mm-hmm. an example every day when whenever he was trying to, you know, get get people to talk to each other, communicate on the court, he was like yeah. he was like, We won a whole championship because we we made one move and one guy came in and he was a linebacker. It didn't matter. You heard his voice everywhere on the bus, in the locker room, all on the court. He was like, he was like, and that's what he was like. You have to be like that. He was like, he was the difference yeah. in us winning. And I feel, I feel like Coach Brown. You know, say he. I feel like he got a bad rap in New York with us because it was a, it was a crazy group, bro. Like you know how it is in the league when you got mm-hmm. a whole bunch of big name guys where they in the uh, at, a, at a changing, a turning point in their career or whatever that they going through, and they and everybody bad, everybody. Everybody is bagged out. So it's like, you know, you got people with ego. Like, I got my money. I could do this. I could do that. And you got, they all been that dude. We all was, yep. you know what I'm saying? Everybody coming in like, man, I got bags on this, something. like. And it's like, brother, to, to watch him try to navigate that, bro, and then the way to there, you know how all that played out and it looked crazy. Like, to this day, bro, Coach Brown, one of my all-time favorite coaches, like favorite people. Like, he was always solid. 
true and you know what I'm saying, keep it real with you. But I just was looking at it like, bro, this was, it was one of the craziest years you would ever even yeah, imagine, bro. Have a wild year. Whoa, boy, I'm just like, I'm talking about, I promise you, he used you as the example so many times and like, boy, just always like, listen, like this, like this man came in with all the money. He already had money. It didn't matter. He could have, you yeah. know what I'm saying, did this and that. He came in and gave himself to the team. Like always, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know, we always rock, but I just think about that when we talk about Coach B. Man, LB, and I used to call him pound for pound. Like, <laughs> I, and I got to agree with you, Q. He, he is a hell of a basketball coach, a great coach. He eats, sleep, drink, and shit basketball. You Thanks. know, and it, it kills him. I know it's killing him now with this whole COVID situation and with gyms being closed, you know, that's, it's killing LB right now because he just likes to teach basketball. Yeah. And I think that's, again, as you mentioned about the whole ego thing and we didn't have that in Detroit, I think that's what made it to the point where, okay, like we can rock and roll with LB, you know, mm-hmm. because as a coach, and y'all know some coaches got – Bigger egos than the players that they're coaching. Yeah. So, but LB ain't ain't have no egos. He's like, look, I just want to go out here. Let's play some basketball. Let's just win. Give me everything you got. I'm gonna give you everything I got. And at the end of the day, go home and kiss the babies. And right, that's that's right. what I love about him, man. If if you're not LB is a mental coach. Thanks. He's a mental coach for sure. If your mentality is just like, all right, I'm gonna just come in the gym, practice, and I'm going home. And he's your coach. You're not gonna like him. You know, cause, oh, now he's making you late for lunch with, you know, his <laughs> wife or your girlfriend. Or, you know, now he's making you late for this appearance or that appearance because he got you in that gym. Work. Oh, yeah. That's all he want to do is work. And I remember his biggest slogan when I got to Detroit was Cadillacs down there, worker bees down here. And huh. at first I was like, I'm like, man, what the hell? And then D. Ham was like, look, if you want to get some extra work in, go with the worker bees. But if you just chilling, want to get some shots up, talking shit, go down there with the Cadillac. I, like, oh, I said, all right, I got him now. I got I him. I like now. that. I like that. And, and that's that's all he is, man. LB, great guy too, man. He's, he's he yeah. just loves basketball. He he cares about his players, uh, even to this day. And if I'm not mistaken, he's one of very few coaches who can name damn near all his players on both levels. And he's the only coach to win an NCAA and NBA championship. Head coach. You almost had the opportunity to slay the Giant by beating the Lakers with Portland. Then you get the opportunity to play them in a championship. Take us back, like, going into that that series, because they coming off three straight. They got Shaq, Kobe, and plus they added a little bit more work in Malone and GP and all wow. that. And Boy, so, legendary like, work. So to coming into that, you know, a lot of people didn't have y'all to be favorites or have y'all to win shit out of that. Actually, probably had y'all to get swept. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But y'all came in and y'all do the sweeping and y'all do the ass kicking. Like, how was that to just take us to the process of when y'all first started that series and getting to the end when you won that championship, finally? Game one, I, I felt before the tip of I'm like, yo, this redemption for me. I'm like, here it is. I, I was just in this building a few years ago mm-hmm. trying to get to an NBA Finals, but it fell apart for us. You know, it fell apart for us quite a few times dealing with L.A. because that hey, the dynamic duo, man. Boy. Batman and Robin. Bad Batman boys. and Superman. Whatever, whatever combo you want to say. That was you them. Know, they, <laughs> oh, that was – they was them boys. Was straight up. Straight <laughs> and, up. 
and for for so many years to be sitting at home getting put out the playoffs playing until like you know beginning of may and losing to the lakers in five or losing to the lakers in six or getting yeah. swept by the lakers that boy you know, said it's time he was I in his marshall mathers marshall oh, mathers mode <laughs> he was sitting there hey. like it's time i got redemption so I said, on my okay. mind <laughs> so i'm back i said i'm back i got a, a better defensive team i got guys who are more team oriented and have the will to win yeah. I was like, we're going to kick these guys' ass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all had that feeling going to that game one, the locker room, it's normal. It wasn't like, all right, it wasn't quiet. It was like, oh, we got to focus. This is game one of the fun. It was normal. That Like, we, we were pretty much arrogant. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie because we knew what we could do, and we knew that they couldn't do nothing to do anything about what we was about to do to y'all. You know what right. I'm saying? So came out there, game one, ran them out the gym. Boom. And, and we played as a unit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It wasn't just one person, you know. No, it was. Yeah, we all could be averaging 30 on other teams. But, no, we playing as that unit. Everybody, yeah. the bench included. Boom, yeah. we playing as a unit. So we like, boom, all right. So game one, we like, all right, we stole one. We did what we were supposed to do. We had to get one out to two at home. At, in L.A., excuse me. We did what we were supposed to do. So now let's go out here, game two. Let's, let's go and get game two. So, boom, we go out, game two. Dog fight, dog fight, and rest his soul, the great player that he is. Kobe hit a big shot for him to give them, you know, the go-ahead. Boom. So now we're going back to Detroit, 1-1. So we like, yo, on this plane ride, everything was normal for about the first hour or two. Guys playing cards, a couple guys watching movies, you know, other guys just chit-chatting. But for somehow, some reason, it seemed to be around the same time, and we all pretty much was thinking it and brought it up like, yo, y'all know we can't go back. Because y'all know what's going to happen if we go back. So we're going to have to end this right here in Detroit. And that game three came out, uh, four, uh, and then when we smelled that blood like that shark, you know, a shark can smell blood in the water up to seven, eight miles away. So, and and after we beat them game four, smelled that blood. We was like, oh, we got them. They ain't know what to do. LB mixed the whole game plan up. You know, like say, say the call might have been the Hawk, right? And so it's regular Hawk cut during the season. But in the playoffs in that championship series, the Hawk cut is something totally different. But right. They think and they scout like, oh, it's Hawk play. Oh, man. Slicing through them like a hot knife through butter. And then we also said that we know that the, at the time, uh, David Stern wanted to get that to him because it was his Hall of Fame team. You know, you got Hall of Fame, Kobe. Hall of Fame, Shaq. Hall of Fame, Carl Malone, in my opinion. Hall of Fame, GP. You know, you got Hall of Fame, Derek Fisher. Right. You know, you got a lot of... Hall of Famers playing on this team. So, yeah, that's the, it, it would have been a perfect storybook ending to yeah. beat us. I feel like when I watched that series, like, y'all believed in the game plan. It just looked like y'all was just a team that just played together, believed in the game plan. Y'all didn't care who scored the point, long as it was more points than they had. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. y'all just were playing around. On defense, y'all played as y'all always on that rope. Y'all always sure. rotating. Y'all always doubling down, rotating. They couldn't just because they swung it out. If they weren't swinging to the COVID, they swung to everybody else. It didn't matter. Y'all wasn't doing Man, too much of that. I'm happy to say I got two NBA records that will never be broken. 
Mm-hmm. One is getting 40-something technical in one season. <laughs> I thought of that'll ever be broken. Yeah. And then two was that defensive stint that we had when I was with the Pistons, when we had like seven, eight games and held high-scoring teams under 70 points. And the crazy thing about it, I swear to y'all, the last two games that we did it, we tried to do it. Mm-hmm. But like the first five or six games we did it, we were just playing. Playing the right way. Yeah. Playing the and right that, way. And that's our, that was our slogan, D-Miles, the right yep. way. That's, that, no, that, that, that's Coach Brown's slogan, play the right way. That's Coach, right hey, way. listen, that's his deal. So how did it feel like when you finally you, you achieved it? You made it to the top of the mountain. I seen you get the swaggy WWE belts made. Like, tell me what that was like. Like, now I'm a champion. Like, how? What's that feeling like? I can't tell you nothing. Oh, uh, it was, it was, it was nostalgic, man. It was. You know how you ever heard the expression like, "Oh, I'm about to die. My life flashed before my eyes." <laughs> well, when that clock hit zeros, everything that I did up to that point flashed before my eyes. The hard work, standing out there at the bus stop in the snow. Having, having cat, you know, I got robbed a couple of times. Cat snatched my bus pass. Mm-hmm. You know, now I got to walk home in the snow. Then, you know, playing in this place, playing in that place. All the times I had to do push-ups and I couldn't do them. Or I had right. to do this and I couldn't do All of that in a quick flash. And then to see that confetti come down, man. And then to hear Queen song play, We Are the Champions. And then right. to have that actual, that material, that golden ball in your hand, it's like, yo. Everything that I did, all the injuries, all the times that, you know, we lost and all the fights that I had and this and that, I said, all that's forgotten. It's, it's, it's worth it when you hold it that ball It was all worth it. It like, was all worth I'm at, it. I'm at the top of the mountain now, sipping the juice. Straight I'm up. the best in the world. We catching Word. that fresh breeze. And, and it was lovely, man. It, I'll, I'll never forget it. And the thing about it, each year after that, NBA Finals time, you know, it's, it's nostalgic, bro. You, and, you know, home. we always, even to again. this day, we still text each other like, man, yo, y'all remember when we did this and that in, in yeah. the finals? And you'll never forget it. They're your brothers for life. For life. For life. That's dope. After y'all won that championship that next year, y'all trying for a back-to-back, and y'all run into a team that's way more disciplined and don't feel like they got, mm-hmm. they don't have that type of swag as the Lakers have. You playing San Antonio. They basically a team like y'all. I felt it was a great matchup. Mm-hmm. I was so happy that they came, they made it there because it was like, man, I want to see this, these perfect two teams play with each other. Go through that process of how you think y'all lost that championship. Oh, it was it was, it was a lot. And, and I would have to say, you know, I added on to that. For number one, we knew that they were the NBA's team. David Stern loved them because um, – at the time, and y'all can go back and look this up, uh, he called him his team of United Nations. Doing pregames and, you know, this and that. His team United Nations, that was his biggest thing. And that's when he was trying to make that whole push and whole move to get the NBA over in China. So he's, he's you know, glorifying the whole fact that, okay, here we have a team playing for the world championship in the NBA, and it's only two or three Americans on there out of the 15 guys my team in United Nations. So, one, we already knew what we was up against. And, yeah, I, I got to say, a, a lot of it canceled each other out as far as the positions, as far as the coaches. It was a hell of a battle. And it just came down to, like, it was it was a whole lot more for us to fight. You know, 
and y'all know what I'm talking about when you get them crews in there and you know them home crews and everything. So we knew what we were facing. We knew it was an uphill battle, but yet we're the champs. We were the champs, mm-hmm, but right. we knew it was still an uphill battle for us. We knew we wasn't gonna get no no home court love or none of that. And um, yeah. it was it was a hell of, hell of a match. No, a hell of a match. Seven games, and it came down to I think we lost by like six, seven. Yeah. So you know, I don't I don't regret it. Another one of my favorite players is Kevin Garnett. Like one of my favorite favorite players. To see y'all like how y'all embrace each other and y'all got the respect for each other to get the opportunity to go to the Celtics and get the opportunity to play with your mans. Like, and I know how much mm-hmm. y'all respect each other. How was that for you to just, you and your mans to actually be on the team and, and rock together on the NBA level? Man, it, it made it easy. It was, truth be told, it was like, I, I looked at that same situation as myself and Dell Davis mm-hmm. with myself and Ben, and then with now myself and KG, I was thankful enough to be, you know, paired up with another forward slash center who is defensive minded. Yeah. You know, and, that, and y'all, y'all know that's all KG is. He's going to try to get in your head. You know, he's, he's going to do everything he got to do before the game to get you psyched out because that's half mm-hmm. of the battle right there. And, and it, it's just his whole presence. Like he, he gets up for it. And that's yeah. like, all right. You know, when at first I got there, I'm like, man, this dude crazy. But then <laughs> just being there and knowing him, I'm like, all right. I was like, man, this is going to be a great year right here. Yeah. And, and my mm-hmm. first few practices, it was that starting five, Rondo, Paul, Ray, Perk, KG versus me, Big Tony Baby, Allen. Tony Allen, T.A., Eddie House. I want to say it might have been Marquise Daniels. My okay, man, Keith. Keith was good, yeah. And dog. So we in practice, and you know, KG's KG. Oh yeah, yeah, y'all know. Oh, hold up, dog. I talk too. You know, <laughs> back and forth, and at the end of practice, you know, we all just sitting around, and Big Baby's like, "Man, I ain't never seen nobody go back and talk junk to KG like that." Before. Right. He's like, I'm glad you here. And I'm right. Like, oh man, and we just all started cracking up though. But it was lovely, though, man. It was yeah. lovely. It was a defensive-minded team. Yeah, y'all the mirror. Y'all looking at y'all self. Both of y'all, like, just man. like you looking at him talking about you. This is crazy. Like, that's how we was all looking at you when you saw, like, man, this man crazy. He getting taxed. He doing it. Like, you crazy. <laughs> so y'all look at each other the same way. Yeah, and I, I say that the only difference between KG and I, I do agree with you. There's a lot of similarities. The only difference is I would say he's a better rebounder than I am. But I would have to say I'm a better shooter than he is. But mm-hmm. if you take that away, yeah, everything else is the same. Defensive minded, yeah, yeah we're going to get you up, talk junk, blah, 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 blah. Forget everybody else. We focused on his team, do this right now. It's, yep. it's all the same. You grew up in Philly and you was a Knicks fan. They say once a Knicks, always a Knicks. You got the opportunity Straight to put up. a New York Knicks jersey on and play in the garden. And, you know, like for a basketball player, I don't give a fuck where you from. You always want to kind of do yes, that or, or experience that at least one time in your career. How was that for you? To, you was older, but just to experience that coming from Philly and just being around that. Man, it was, it was love. It was huge because, yeah, I, I grew up a Knicks fan because of Pat Ewing following him at Georgetown, you know, always loved my Sixers. But when I had the opportunity, when, um, you know, Coach Woody called me, Mike Woodson, when he called me like, man, you know what you're doing, might need your help a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And when I came up to see that team, to first when you walk into the garden, 
and you know you seeing those banners up there it's it's a different feeling real talk when you playing against them and yeah. you know you got that nostalgia and you hear the crowd and this and that so you like oh man it's the guard and this what everybody all the hubbub's about but when you playing for them it's a totally different experience when you walk in that garden it's like you you automatically get smacked with the history you yeah. know you walking in the back hallway you know all the pictures on the wall Frazier. People yeah, you see all, all the, all the, the concerts and everything, everything, and the, and the players, like boxing events, hockey, everything yeah. in this building for the last like a kajillion years or whatever. Right. And so to be part of that, I was like, man, you know, I'm I'm lucky, I'm thankful. I was like, this is. It was almost kind of sort of like a dream come true because I did when I was, especially when I was younger, wouldn't mind playing for the Knicks because, as I said, huge Patrick Ewing fan. Yeah. So to see that and, you know, the practice facility and to me, it was a it was a class A organization from the way that they treated their players and everything like that. So I get a lot of flat because people are like, oh, man, Dolan trash. They get rid of Dolan. This and, that. and all I got to tell people is like, look, for my one year that I was there, Dolan was first class. He wasn't never scared to come downstairs. He ain't always sitting in his box upstairs. He came yeah. downstairs, interacting nah, with play- in the locker room, all that. Listen, bro, I say I say a lot of times, too, like, you know, I played four years there, so obviously people hit me with the comments and this, that, and the third about Dolan and this, that, and the third, and he's the reason. I'm not I'm not ever trying to, like, say that this man is perfect because I don't know his life and I right. see a lot of things written about him. But, I'm, but like you say, I can speak to my experience with him in my four years as a player and the things that I observed and the people that I know there, that what they observed. So, like, when I talk to a person like John Wallace, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's, you'd be hard-pressed to find, like, a, I don't know the facts or the numbers, but you could look at a lot of teams, and you go look at that Knicks organization. It's a whole lot of dudes that played for that team that's being employed and working within that organization and Still. have been for a long time, like, not mm-hmm. just recently because he take – like, this has just been a, how, how he operated with those guys. He And those yeah. guys all, to a man, be like, man, look, man, he ain't perfect, but it ain't nowhere near as bad as they try to make like he's the sole reason. I don't believe that he's the sole reason that the Knicks aren't successful. I think it's a it's a joint Collective effort of a lot of yeah, yeah joint exactly. effort of a lot of different things going on, and it's not just him. And I think like they think that if you know he just sell the team like the problem is solved. I think they would quickly find that it would still not be just <laughs> over with. You know what I'm saying? It's not that fact, simple. Fact that. We usually play like a little fun game on here. We oh wait, 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 wait! Before before you go there, because th- I did want to say this about the next time. That was that was my only time that I was really like a teammate. She, we got a little stint together. Then you know what I'm saying. I was riding to the airport with him and all that. He was picking me up. We had the Camaro. Hey. Playing the song, yes, the pull up song. <laughs> hey, he got his pull up song like that. Was, like we kind of really retired together because like that was it for me, and then no, that, that was, was like it for you. Like we kind of yeah. that was it. Like we got. That was the last little time they we lost in that playoffs to the we lost to the Pacers. They put us out, yeah. and then you know we that was kind of it for us. So you know, just want to throw that, that in was, there. That was a like, hell of a year too. Hey, so, and I, I so so I say this: I got a scoring championship. I won an NBA title, and I got a six man. My six man scoring championship came from the Knicks. Of course, <laughs> Jr. got the six man, and that's when Melo had got the uh, scoring, the scoring title. title. And and man, just that whole year, I think we won like what. 52, 53 games. They was the number one seed. Yeah, we was um, number one seed. All that, man. That, that was the last time. I, I would say the yeah. last hoorah that they had. That, 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 I, I set out my last year. I got waved by the Magic after training camp. 
Set out the whole year. And the Knicks signed me two days, bro. Two days before the end of the season. She, you were there. You can vouch for this. Remember the game I played? I had to play all the minutes and I threw up walking into halftime. <laughs> bro, bro, I was trying you to make it off the court. D Mouse. And look, I didn't know. You remember they had remodeled the guard. So I'm I'm oblivious. I ain't I don't even know. Way. Bro, I'm trying. <laughs> this was see, let me tell let me tell you what happened. This was the worst part. Like they, they had clinched the number one seed. So they resting people. No Melo, no Tyson Chandler, no all these people they sitting them mm-hmm. out. So we sitting there, it's like it's about to be me. Pablo Prigion, we only had literally like six yeah. dudes. Like they made Jr. just put a warm up on. He didn't have a, a jersey on because he wasn't gonna go to the game. But you gotta Ronnie officially Brewer. have eight. You gotta have eight bodies out there officially. We had remember Earl Barron. We had signed Earl. Yep. Bro. Yep. Bro. First quarter, Pablo Prigioni twist his ankle. He done. <laughs> so now we down to six players, bro. I ain't played all year. Now this is when I know I could be I could be factual and tell anybody want this. I don't give a damn about no treadmill. I don't give a damn about riding no bike. I don't give a damn about running around no neighborhood. I did all three in Orlando, hot as hell, Florida, running and all this. Man, I got my ass out there. Soon as he went down, I saw I had to play the extra minutes. I, I just started praying. I was like, please let me make it through this, bro. Like. That halftime buzzer thing went off, and I felt like somebody had been punched me in the stomach. But I walked so slow. I was walking so slow and focused. I'm holding my breath so I don't make sure I don't swallow the wrong way. It don't come. Well, I said, man, as soon as I hit the I hit the curtains, throw up right there, right? Bro, they didn't change the whole background. They got the whole courtside club with the glasses right here. Everybody yep, looking. I'm like, yep. oh, I'm like, they come, they come get me through. I'm like, man, I don't care. I'm like, they clean. I say, man, look, they was like, and then I went out like this. Man, dog, I was so, I was so embarrassed. They clean, came, cleaned up real quick. I finished the game. I played the game. I ain't do shit. I had like, I got eleven rebounds though, bro. I ain't score no. But I think I made hey. score one bucket. But got me some boards. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a great year, man. Fun team. That team was so fun. I like, tell them how Aaron, crazy Iman Shumper was. Was he not about, hilarious? Jump, Q, myself, Kirk Thomas, Marcus Tyson, Canby, Tyson Jason Chandler, Kidd, Tyson Chandler, um, Canby, my homeboy, uh, Canby, Smith, Yo, I said Mello, Marcus, Pablo, Prigioni, Ronnie Brewer, uh, Mello, yup, Mello. Who else? I'm missing. I think I'm missing one more. But that was, it was a hell of a team, and it was with it being a veteran. Did you say team, J Kid? Did you put J Kid in there? Yeah, I put J Kid in there. You know, J. everybody Kidd, was in their lane, and all the veteran dudes for the most part, all the old heads, we always just hanging out together. It was, it was like man, a country club. I tell Shump, I tell I tell Shump every single time. I can't think about him. Like, if I see him on social media everything, I always think of him in that Rick Ross song, You Don't Need No. Remember how he played that before every single playoff game? And that boy went to dancing and doing his own rap before oh, every game. I say, <laughs> Some boy kept it lit, bro. It was never a dull moment on that team, boy. I swear. And he had bars. Bars. Still do. <laughs> yeah. Tell me this. When, where, how did ball don't lie? Begin. Where where did the birth of <laughs> Mr. Ball don't lie? Please. Um, you know, it's it's just regular talk that we all do on the schoolyard, man. You know, I'm pretty sure some it's some sayings that from y'all hoods where y'all grew up at, you know, out there in the loo and everything. I know y'all got y'all own slang and everything. So it's just all all schoolyard talk. And one day, you know, I heard guys in, in my neighborhood saying, That ball don't lie, you know, when a guy we all been through it. Boom, called a foul on uh, 
last points of the game. Oh, foul. All right. I'm going to respect the call. So here right. I go. Boom, boom, boom. You got the ball back, and you take another shot, and you miss it. And the opposing people get the rebound. Yeah, that ball don't lie with your cheating ass. All right. And so it just, okay. just came out one day. I just blurted it out, um, you know, just going back to it because I was I was upset with the official for calling right. a, a bogus call for the cat that was on the line. When he clunked that first one, that's where them three words was born. So we play a game on here where we say start, bench, cut. For you, start, bench, cut. Chris Webber, Tim Duncan, Ooh. Kevin Garnett. Who would you start? Who would you bench? Who would you cut? Ooh, all right. Uh, what era? You talking about? They, uh, they, they all in their prime. They all in their prime. They all in their prime. Everybody in their prime. Damn, that's hard. <laughs> Damn, you said three big names too. <laughs> um, all right. So I would have to say start. Mm. I'm a. For me personally, the way I feel, I'm a start KG. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to bring Tim Duncan off the bench because that's my security with defense mm-hmm. or even more defense. But I would have to cut Webb because out of the three, he's the, he's the worst defender. He got no chip. Okay. He, no, it ain't even a matter of a chip. He's the really? worst defender out of the three. I know something I wanted to ask you. I always wanted to ask you. How in the fuck do you play in Air Force One high top? <laughs> That's what I, I was about to say. I was about to say, like, and you made that. In the I, I ain't seen nobody in the, since the 80s wear no flat shoes and hooping them up. Like, how did you pull that off? And, like, how did you, you make that? that, that you, you made that a, but <laughs> so, you made that a signature shoe. Like, you, yeah. like, not only how did you pull it off, but like how much no love do you they get? You gotta get the hot tops, them sheets. You get them low but tops, the whole, them hot the, tops, them sheets. But the whole hood has to respect and love it. That is the that's the hood that's, shoe well, of America. And Philly and, and all our hoods. That's that's yeah. You know, it's like the hood shoes, the Cadillac of shoes in the hood. That was the you most expensive. I mean? That was the, I mean that was the that was the that was the that was the, the shoe you could afford. That was the nicest. Yeah, that was that was you know what I'm saying. Seventy five dollars. Yeah. Man, for, for any color, seventy five dollars. So when Killing I got it. to the league, the reason that I did wear them was because they were the only true high top sneaker. It was yeah. either going to be wearing Air Force Ones, or I don't know if y'all remember the David Robinsons that had the, the little, forces, the forces, the little, uh, little air pump joint. Yeah, Air Force Ones or the David Robinsons. I was like, all right, I'm not going to wear another dude's shoe who I don't know. At the mm. time, I didn't know David Robinson or anything about him, so. I went with the Air Force One, but what made it easy to wear was the orthotics. You know, mm-hmm. take the take yeah. the regular flat insole out, like you said, and you know, you put that orthotic in and it's molded to your foot. And but my main thing was just the protection of my ankles, man. That's why I always wore high tops. Like to, to see big men now hooping Kobe's or KD's that's low, low tops, tops. And yeah. like, yo, you will shatter your ankle in them joints, B. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I got to protect the money makers somehow, some way. So your knees, to me, protect your back, your knees, and your ankle slash feet. Yeah, right. Oh no, you was out there looking fresh and did a motherfucker though. I like, how did that feel though? When like, make sure that. <laughs> but how did how, how how did that feel like when they came? You like, all right, like we gonna make these yours. We gonna put your fadeaway zone on the back. Like, like how did like like you know? Says one thing for you to be all right. I choose this shoe. I'm gonna wear this. But then when a company come to you and they like, we rocking with you. We want to make this a PE shoe for you. Make it like your shoe. Like the mm-hmm. you the only dude that's known as like the Air Force One was your shoe. Man, 
me and my brother was geeked. You know, we was geeked, like, cause they, they gave me a, um, a blank template. and was like, look, come up with some color combinations or, you know, the different materials or whatever. And, you know, we see what we're working with. So some of the things they listened to, some of them didn't, but I will say that the hottest pair of Air Force Ones I ever had, and I got them around here somewhere, is um, I asked them to make me a pair of Air Force One cleats, and this was back in 97. So I got them joints around here somewhere. And now, if you look at it, they got all the basketball shoes down there. As cleats. Or cleats, cleats, too. Right. So One of the things, like just talking about your game-wise, that I always loved about your game and the way you play, your high arc and jump shot. Like, who taught you that high arc and jump shot, and when did you learn to shoot that jump shot with that such high arc? My oldest brother taught me how to shoot. Uh, he was the jump shot shooter in the family, and my middle brother was the dunker. So my oldest brother, he taught me how to shoot, and it was a young lady by the name of, uh, I want to say Carolyn, lived across the street from She was older than me. I had a little crush on her. You know, she was all city in basketball. And playing her in a game of one-on-one one day, she also told me, you know, the don't shoot the ball in front of your face like this and all that. Like we all did as kids trying right, to yeah. make sure that we get it up there. And she's like, hold it on the side of your face and all of that. So after that, it was, all right, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just put it up there as high as I can. So it can't get blocked. Yeah. Right. And it just turned into that jump shot, just playing. And it turned into that post move, turned into that fadeaway, turned into that three and so forth and so on. Who did you grow up like watching that you was like emanated? Like, man, I want to be like, that player, them the players that I wanted to see, because I know you started late. So if you mm-hmm. started late, you probably weren't even looking at basketball as much as you looking at it. You started looking at it when you started playing. So who did you grow up and see, or who did you see was like, man, I want to do that. What what he doing? Well, when when I was a young boy and I was out there on the court, and you know how you all do the five, four, three, and you know the right, 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 right. Well, I always dreamt that I was Doc, I was Kareem. As far as the NBA goes, and at the time, also, like I said, college, for me growing up, it was Patrick Ewing and Billy Owens. Billy Owens. Or Syracuse. Billy Ho. Um, You know, those are the guys that I was trying to emulate or be like, or I thought I was trying to be like, um, <laughs> right. you know, as a young boy growing up. Because as I said, I didn't get into basketball until I was about 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Before that, it was just track. I just played, you know, like all the other neighborhood kids just playing basketball. If you had to pick four other teammates to play with out of all the teams, from the Bullets to the Blazers to the Knicks to the Celtics to the Detroit Pistons, you had to pick four other players to play with, who would be them four other players? I'm going to have to do it like this. Give me that Portland team. Give me that Detroit team. Give me that <laughs> New York team. And give me that Boston team. I can't, I can't, I think it'd be disrespectful for me just to point out just a few guys because in my opinion, man, I played with so many great guys yeah. and I'm thankful. I'm thankful to the basketball guys and to the most high that yeah. a majority of the teammates that I've had, yeah. I've never had beef with. I'm still friends with to this day. And, you know, it was never no, no locker room drama with any yeah. of these guys. So it's right. it's hard to say, man, because. Shoot, I can go from point guard. I can say, hey, Mark Price, but I played with him my rookie season. I can mm-hmm. go, if you want, I can go between Mark Price, Damon, Chauncey, and Ross Strickland. Like, damn, who are you going to pick? Yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? 
or you're talking about J.R. Ryder, Bonzi Wells, Rip Hamilton, Walt Wizard. Who are you going to pick? There's so many guys that, man, I, I think it would be disrespectful just to try to name the other four to do a starting five. Tell me this. When you you from the hood like us, right? So when you first got the bag, what did you go do with the with, when you got the bag? When you look back on it, like this probably looked crazy, but I had to treat myself one time. What 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 did Big <laughs> She do? Oh, for myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. When, when you had to, bag, when you get to treat yourself one time, you know. Yeah, I, I would say um, I had got the four door six hundred bins. Ooh, you know, back, who else? Back somebody else just that, said that the big, big the, the big boy. Big who just five. said? Who else just said that? Somebody said the big body. Yes. Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas. You and Tim Thomas got the y'all got them V twelve boys. Serious. Got them V twelve boys. Yeah. That 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 was the first thing that I did. You know, for myself. Yeah. Of course, after you know, you take care of all the other responsibilities, getting my Dukes a crib and car, and you know, so on and so on. But yeah, it was it was that it was that four door black on black, and what made me get it was black on black like it was. Because of Aaron McKee and Eddie Jones, they had mm-hmm. the coops. They had the six hundred S coops rolling yeah. around Philly. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And all you seen when you seen one, you seen the other. So everywhere at the club, you know, just on the court, all that. I'm like, "Man, I gotta get me one of them." Yeah. Yeah. Like, I had a family starting off early, so I had to get the four door. Word up! It's two players I want you to speak about that came up up under you. That's like, man, he's one of my favorite players too, and that's uh. Zebo and Jermaine O'Neal, like to see their careers and how their careers turned out, and, they, and you seeing them when they came fresh out the womb to the to, <laughs> to, to play with you as rookies. Like, how was it to see how they came in and just to see how their careers turned out of them being so good and making their mark in this league? Man, it's it's, it's like a a big brother love, you know, especially with Jermaine with me knowing him the longest, and here you are, you're on a team. You straight out of high school, and everybody you on this team with now is, is a grown ass man with kids. Yeah, you know, you went from being the the big fish in a little pond to the little fish in a big pond now. But the thing that we loved about Jermaine, like myself, Gary Trent, Sabonis, Cliff Robinson, Joe Klein, we used to beat Jermaine's ass, beat his ass, but. He would never complain, like, man, why you foul me hard like that? It was never none of that. He would get up. All right, cool. We keep playing. He'd be in the weight room before and after practice. And then just knowing the type of player that he was, like, he felt as though that he was that game changer. He felt he could make that difference out there. And we believed him. You know, we saw it in practice. And he had his moments during a little bit of minutes that he got. But I was happy to see him go. And I was happy for the fact of now you got your own spotlight, bro. You ain't you ain't up under me no more. You ain't up under Cliff Robinson no more. Yeah. You got your own spotlight. You know what I'm saying? You got your own yard now. Go ahead and be that dog that I know you could be. And he did and, that. You know, next thing you're seeing Jermaine, defensive player of the years, uh, all-star votes, and, you know, doing this, doing that. Teams always in the playoffs or yeah. going deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So, like, to – to see him, one, become that player, and then two, with us still aging, with him becoming a businessman that he has, it's like, man, yeah. I'm so happy for him, so proud of him. It's like, you know, that big brother, little brother moment, man. You know, it's a loss of words, really. 
you know, I know I know his family, mom and brothers and sisters and everybody. I love all of them, wife yeah. and his kids. It's 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 awesome, man. And the same thing with Zebo. Zebo. <laughs> that's that's my man too. What's up with you, Mag? It was it was funny because we had to humble Zebo one time. Yeah. Right. So he, you know, he coming fresh off the NCAA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He the man. You know, we saw him. All right, we give you respect, young fella. Good thing. Good thing. So when I was playing, I was starting five, and they would start him at four. Yeah. So of course, you know, I'm getting double teamed. So you know, I'm kicking the ball to him or kicking it out to swing over or whatever. So Zebo getting mad buckets. So it's like five, six games in a row where Zebo had 25 or more. Straight up, twenty so now, ten. <laughs> you can't tell Zebo nothing. So he like, man, we like, yo, you know, just play right, this and that. He like, oh man, why y'all hating on me, my guy? Like, <laughs> man, like, man, we ain't hating on you. We just telling you, oh my guy, y'all need to stop hating, stop hating. All right, I got something for you. So we just gonna reverse these roles. So during the game, I ain't say nothing to the coach at the time. Uh, Mike Dunleavy was the coach. We ain't say nothing to him. So we in a game. So if Damon called like. Uh, four turn for me. Zach, go ahead. It's for you. I'm going to stand out here and for like three, four games. And then eventually Dunleavy saw what we were doing and Zach got what we were doing. Like, yeah, it's like, damn, I'm sorry, my guy. You know, it's a totally different story now when you're that focus, when you're that focal point. We was like, yeah. But ever since then, that brother took off. And I think in his age group, he got to lead the NBA with double-doubles. Got to. Got he to. got he right to. up there. If you he don't, he's, he's right up there. Uh, man, he's that, that kid's a walking rebound. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people, well, your former teammates or teammates that you play with and stuff like that say that they can't wait for you to get the technical foul because they know when you get it, they know what's about. To, no, I'm serious. Like, I didn't literally, I've heard Chauncey. I didn't heard these dudes. I heard Rip said, like, no. Nah, Once he, he get his first. When he get ready. that technical, <laughs> like, now he about to go hoop. Like, because sometimes they say you might be out there just chilling, not really gay, but then, like, if something get you get you upset, oh, now it's about to be young. So what do you think about that? That they, When you got the text, did that sometimes turn your motor on and get you hyped up? Like, oh, okay. For sure, for sure. Sometimes it did. And I, I would definitely have to say, like, if the ref, all right, boom, you call a foul on me, all right, foul, line, cat go to the line. But then I go back down the other end, and you see him foul me, but you don't call nothing. But then you come back down the other end, and you call pity pat foul. All right, I'm going to let you have it now. So this is what I'm going to do. Not only am I going to talk shit to you, but I'm going to make you call this foul. Hmm. Hey, Chance, ball, no, we're going to turn four. Chance, right here, come on. <laughs> or at times when... You know, Chauncey or, or any other guys got mad. Hey, all right, that's a Hey, she, let's go. Come on. <laughs> so I'm going to make you call this foul. But I, I knew that I was never one of the favorites of, of the officials. Well, let's get technical right now, if we can. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you, you in this podcast world, and I know what this podcast world and did for me for these last two years of me coming back around and showing my face and just entering the social media world. But like I say, you one of my favorite personalities, people, persons, players. I'm so happy you and Bonds, he's just, you know what I'm saying, creating a platform to hear. I always good to see my brothers from from you to, to Ryan Hollins and, and Haywood to Jack Nim mm -hmm. and Matt Bourne, to see us all doing that. But but what was it for you with Let's Get Technical that you wanted to do and, and put out there and create a platform so you can speak up on certain things? Well, really, I would have to give all the kudos to Bonzi. 
Bonzi was the one who was in my ear. Actually, probably I want to say for about a year and some change. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was in my ear about a podcast before I took my high school job, and I was like, "No, nah, I can't do it now." You know, got the high school kids, I got to worry about blah 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 blah. Yeah. But he stayed with it, and so one day I was like, "All right, this cat's too persistent." So. Let me go ahead. Let's do it and let's try it out and and see what's what. And boom, we just we just took it off from there, you know. And watching y'all, hey, I, I love what y'all doing, man. And to me, we try to be like y'all, but not be like y'all. If you get what I'm saying, like sure, right. we had that longevity that y'all have. Like y'all knocked down a lot of doors and y'all gave people different views on basketball players. Why? Because they think that we just know basketball, right? Yeah. But obviously, with you know. With you two guys and a guest that you had, it's it's way more than just talking about basketball. So yeah. I think, you know, me personally, you guys got a lot to do with me being in the podcast game myself. Oh man, oh, that's, that's dope, dope to hear, man. One, one of our things is like, man, like I everybody can't be the Hall of Famer or everybody can't be the best basketball player. But one thing I feel about all the players, especially when they made to the NBA and got an opportunity, is like they legends. We all legends. They mm-hmm. done did something in their life, did a career. They done came from somewhere and put in so much work to make it to that point that we want to give you them flowers. We want to show like, man, like. Everybody else might not have think you was the shit, but I thought you was the shit when I was coming up. Like, and I remember <laughs> them moments. You know what I'm saying? And like, we Appreciate were just talking that, to, like Tim Thomas or just like all the players, and we just want to show people like, man, this everybody got a story and a dope one. Especially if Word. you made this, it's only four thousand of us, and you can't even fill up an arena with that. Out of a hundred years of yeah. basketball, yeah, man. you see what I'm saying? So, Straight like, up. we special at every last one of us special, and that's was one thing we wanted to create this platform for us to put out the stories and let our players tell the stories instead of anybody else telling them, saying the way that y'all want to say it. Drop the jewels for the generations that's coming up behind us to hear like Word. I did this or I put this much time in the gym. People don't know that James Harden, the reason James Harden scoring all them goddamn points is because he go to the gym too. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just don't show uh-huh. up for games. He go to the gym and, and shoot the shit out that motherfucker. And then for us to sit here, you know what I'm saying, like, you a she Wallace, bro. We grew up, you know what I'm saying, watching you from UNC <laughs> to when, before we got in the league to in the league competing against you and to hear you say, you know what I'm saying, we helped you get in this by what we was doing. Like, right. that that's Man. crazy, bro. Like, Straight that's up. crazy. Think about it. If guys like y'all, in my opinion as well, Jay Rose, because he started yeah. doing it for real, for real, back when he was still playing yeah, with the sideline reporting and, you know, the commentating and all of that. So, yeah, man, I tip my hat to y'all, man, because, hey, y'all, I, to me, <laughs> y'all the old heads now. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, y'all let's get checked. Shout out, Bonzi Well. Yeah, definitely, man. Bonds, Bonds, man. That's been my dog, man. He he didn't even know. Like, I'm a Midwest kid, so, you know, I was watching him when he was at Ball Ball State. State, He played against my cousin in conference, Illinois State, Rico Hill. They played against each other in conference, so I'm like, I had been new about Bonds, and when I got to Lee, you know, we we play similar, so when I had to play against him, I I learned, I I took some of his moves, his post moves, how to to get boys down there. So, so believe that, Bonds got all the love, boy. He been a boy. I remember that series when, like, y'all first got them at Bond Store, really grooving, and he was posting Kobe ass up every single time, getting the bucket. That's when Bond, everybody hey. knew Bonzi's name after that. Like, that's, it, that's it was my tough. head up, too. I mean, I knew he could do it, but to actually see him do it, yeah. I was like, 
Yeah, All Bonzi. Right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we got something here. I want you to speak up on one thing before we get ready to go. Uh, I knew a couple of weeks ago, y'all, uh, we just talked to DC and y'all was in Michigan. Uh, y'all was, doing, oh, okay. y'all was giving out the water. We just talked to D. Coleman. He was telling like how you and Jack and everybody was out there giving out water. Just want you to just speak mm-hmm. and touch on that, like uh, the water crisis and all that stuff that's going on in Michigan that that you was helping out and you was supporting by spreading water out to the communities and all that stuff. And make sure you yeah. let it be known that you've been doing it. It ain't just start happening. You've been on deck since the beginning. Because I was a piss. I was working for the pisses then. I remember you sure. coming yeah. from North Carolina with the 12 wheelers and bringing down water. So throw that out there. Now you've been doing it from day one. You stayed down. Like sure. this is, this, yeah. Man, it's, this. It's, it's a tragic situation for it to be six, seven years later. And Flint, still. certain areas of Flint, Michigan still has no clean water. You know, they're getting treated like it's a third world country because. In my opinion, and I'm not in these city council meetings or anything, but I think what they're trying to do is get that whole college life back up there. You know, you have a lot of these dilapidated buildings. You have a lot of abandoned properties and there's no for sale signs on them. You know, you have a lot of these homes that were bought up. You have just think of a city block out of this city block. You might have about 20 homes on this block. Only two of them are being lived in. Yeah. The others are dilapidated or, you know, they done torn down. It's the empty lot, but they're all bought up. They're trying to come with their master plan. So we've been going up there from day one since I first heard about it. uh, Myself from Carolina, my family and friends from Philly. We've been going up to Flint and passing out water and other resources that's needed up there. Ran into the first day I did it. The first day ran into Mo uh, Mo Peterson. So, with him being a Flintstone himself, he's up there. Then I ran into another organization called um, New Era Detroit, which is a community-based organization. They came up there. And just seeing brothers and sisters helping one another at this tragic time is love. Yo, man, that's a wrap, man. This was major. This was huge, man. We got our OG, Big Dog, Mr. Ball Don't Lie himself, the <laughs> Tar Heel legend. You feel legend. me? We got Rashid, Rashida Wallace in the building with us. Much love, bro. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Love y'all, man. Love y'all dudes to death, dog. You just don't know. Players Tribune.com